This is episode 702 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. On today's episode, what your preparedness action plan should look like. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. You don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. Other benefits include members-only videos, periodic webinars, and bi-monthly online meetups. This is a great value for $20 a year. To join the community, visit PrepperWebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey guys, before we get started, I also want to remind you that I have started a new service. It's the Top 10 on Prepper Website. It's uh, a service that I will send you through email the 10 top articles on Prepper website every single week. So that's on Saturday, usually Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. I send that out. And again, it's the top 10 articles on Prepper website for the week. You know, we post somewhere between 8 to 12 articles every single uh, week, or I'm sorry, every single day, which, you know, at the very minimum, you're sifting through 56 articles. And I know those that are on the podcast have always said, Todd, I can't. I don't have time to read articles, so that's why I listen to the podcast. One of the great things about this, though, is when you get these curated, so it's the curated of the curated, right? So these curated articles, then you can easily pop them into your podcast app and you can have them uh, play for you as you're driving. So not only do you have the podcast every week, but then you can also have these 10 articles that are read to you. And so I think that's just a great deal. It's only $5 a month, and I would love for you to join. It's over at buymeacoffee.com. You can get some information there. And even if you don't sign up for the membership, I'm posting fun stuff over there, so you can drop by every once in a while and just kind of check that out. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the episode. It comes to us from nextstepsurvival.com. My good friend Brian Hawkins over there. Uh, has written that's his website next step survival has written this article on preparedness action plans uh, getting your plans together i think it's so important uh, one of the things that i know that i went through and and hopefully we can help other people not go through is when you get into preparedness if you don't have a plan and you're just out there you know, you're you're going off of maybe what you read. You're going off of uh, maybe uh, a novel, dystopian novel that you read, uh, maybe a video. Somebody said something. Somebody recommended something. So you start acquiring gear. You start getting things. You start, you know, filling up your, your house with all this stuff. And in reality, what you should be doing is not just going off and, and you know, getting this and that. You should be working off of a plan because everybody's situation is different. My preparedness plans where I live are going to be way different than someone living in California or someone living up north. Even someone living in Texas, maybe, you know, northern Texas is going to be way different or, or, uh, you know, central Texas is going to be way different than how I prepare here. And in actuality, someone who even lives in the same city is going to have a different situation 
than I have. So you can't really just take a, a plan that someone throws out there and say, hey, do it this way and, and just grab that for yourself. You really need to put in a little bit of time and effort. It's not rocket science, but it's, it takes a little bit of time and, and effort to make sure you are headed in the right direction when you are uh, setting up your preparedness. So I love this article. He, you know, Brian has a little bit of fun with it. And then I'm going to go ahead and read this and then come in at the end with just some extra things that I'd like to add. So again, this is coming to us from nextstepsurvival.com. The article is entitled, Building Your Realistic Preparedness Action Plan. So let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to take a few minutes to discuss how to put together a realistic preparedness action plan. In less than a 10-minute read, you'll have a solid idea of what your preparedness action plan should look like. I even tell a couple of stories because I'm all about teachable moments mixed with a good time. That's right, it ain't boring. So step one is threat assessment. Doing a quick threat assessment doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, I'd recommend keeping things simple with room to pivot later. Consider things like hurricanes, tornadoes, storms, fires, traffic accidents, pandemics, power outages, earthquakes, intruders, robbery, flooding, drought, etc. Are you in the desert, on the coast, tornado alley, a big city, miles from anything? Write down realistic SHTF events that are possible where you live. Now, we're well on our way to a preparedness action plan and no one fell asleep yet, so let's move on. Step two is your personal situation evaluation. As we saw from above, your location plays a big role in the potential risks you may face. Understanding your personal situation helps determine what solutions are required for those risks, as well as finding other more unique risks you need to prepare for. Do any family members have health issues? Rely on medications or medical equipment? Is your home older with outdated wiring? Is your job dangerous? Do you have risky habits or hobbies? Think along these lines, factors that are unique to you and your family. Again, add these realistic SHTF events that are possible to your preparedness action plan. Step three is prioritizing risk. So sorting potential risk by likelihood and severity can help prioritize tasks needed. If a hurricane is very likely where you live, you know an evacuation plan might be in order. If you live a couple of hundred miles from the coast, perhaps backup power and long-term food storage might take priority over a bug-out plan. If you have a family member that relies on oxygen to breathe, as an example, those preps are probably high on your preparedness checklist. Take the list you just created and sort it from most likely to least likely. Holy cow, is a preparedness action plan really this easy? So here we are at step four. Understand you cannot be prepared for everything. If you'd won the $768.4 million Powerball back in March 2019 and now had almost unlimited resources, you still couldn't prepare for everything. You could buy one of those missile silo bunkers, stock it with a decade's worth of food and water, EMP and nuclear bomb proof it, all just to choke to death on a piece of steak or slip in the shower and break your head. Can you plan for an alien invasion or a planet-killing comet impact? Can you prep for World War III nuclear war or an extinction-level supervolcano eruption? Would you even want to? 
Step five, don't worry about prepping. Prep for a peace of mind. Stay realistic. And as many of our mothers taught us, don't worry about what you cannot control. 90% of our worries never happen anyway. I want to read that again. 90% of our worries never happen anyway. Don't forget to live life and enjoy being alive. Don't allow worry to steal your joy. I can speak from experience that when you have no debt, a decent emergency fund, and food in the pantry, a little of that stress goes away. Not all stress, but at least the stress that you can control. As preppers, at one time or another, we get the question, wow, what are you so afraid of? My reply is not too much now that I'm prepared. How do you stand on that front? So there is a, uh, I guess some lyrics here from Uncle Cracker and the song is good to be me. It says, if you don't like me, brother, that's okay. It ain't gonna let it wreck my day. I keep styling, smiling, handing out the sunshine. I got no good reason why. All right, Brian's having a little bit of fun there with Uncle Cracker. I don't know. I guess uh, I'm not a big Uncle Cracker fan, so I have no idea about that song. Step six, take action. You know the threats. You know your situation. You have those threats prioritized by likelihood. Now take action. Seriously, right now. In case you haven't noticed, things are a little unstable and uncertain right now. Don't let that cause you to lose sleep. But now is not the time to sit on our hands. Prepare for a peace of mind. Here's a little exercise just for giggles. Here's a fun scenario just for the fun of it. Notice we're planning but not overthinking things. Overthinking causes a delay in action. Analysis paralysis. So note, this exercise is all from the top of my head with zero research. Do not consider my scenario solutions as valid. Do your own due diligence and prepare accordingly. So here it is. Uh, this is a the Wagenstein Homestead, a fictitious case study. Porter Wagenstein is 36 years old. He's married to Patty, also 36, and they have two small children on a three-acre homestead in Montana. A quick threat assessment based on their location looks a little like this. Yellowstone supervolcano, very cold and severe winters, potential for flooding, risk of forest fires, and some risk of earthquakes. A quick personal situation evaluation looks like this. Everyone is blessed with good health. There are two young kids in the home. Homesteads are hard work. There's a chance of injury. There's a small town with a long drive to a hospital. So let's prioritize the risk in order of most likely to unlikely we have. So the severe winters. Emergency backup heat, wall stock pantry for snowed in situations, and backup power and a fuel rotation system. So those are the things that would be needed there. Number two would be if there was an injury. Have an extensive first aid kit. Know where the nearest medical care facility is and how to contact them. A couple of first aid and CPR classes are in order. Number three would be flooding. Take precautions in advance. Keep things stored off the ground. Waterproof as best as possible and have an evacuation plan. Number four are forest fires. Set up a news alert system. Carry the proper homeowner's insurance have an evacuation plan, know your area and all the ways leading out to safety. Number five would be earthquakes. Try to keep stored items in stable locations. For example, my pantry shelves would have bungee cables across the front to keep items from falling. Make sure everyone knows what to do at the first sign of an earthquake. And then lastly are the supervolcanoes. 
Don't or the super volcano. Don't worry. Be happy. Be right with God if it blows. Because really, if if you're that close to a super volcano, there's probably not too much you're going to be able to do. So in this scenario above, the Wagensteins know many of their threats, have evaluated the potential impacts, and are forming a preparedness action plan to address as much as they can. Porter and Patty aren't up at night worrying about the next infrastructure cyber attacks, for example, because they've already designed a plan for what little they can to prepare for the type of event. They're working on backup power, food storage, a fuel rotation system, and have their own phones and computers protected. So step seven would be don't forget common sense preps. Why isn't there a prepper pantry listed in the Wagenstein's preparedness action plan? You're right. Everyone should prep with long-term food storage and an emergency water supply. Add it to your preparedness plan if that helps. It should be at the top of every prepper's list. And by the way, you're already a prepper. Trust me. You probably have prepared for emergencies with auto insurance, life, health, and homeowner's insurance. You probably have virus protection on your computers and devices. You, hopefully, use a good password manager. I've been using LastPass for over seven years now, and I feel safe with them. That's not an ad or an affiliate link, just an honest statement. Smoke detectors, fire extinguishers, and a spare tire, maybe even cameras and an alarm system. You did all that and more without preparedness action plans. Now take a few and add them to your plan, just for evaluation and adjustment. It's worth a few hours of your time to sit down and evaluate your common sense preps. For example, if you're still making a car payment, ask your insurance company about gap insurance. It might go by another name depending on the insurance company, but it basically pays off your car loan if you total your car in an accident, even if your car isn't worth the owed amount anymore. So here's a story. My wife had a serious car accident about 10 years ago. We were paying on a new car, but as with most new cars, we were deep in the red as far as value versus the amount owed. Thankfully, no one was hurt and we had gap insurance. We would have still owned over $8,000 after the insurance claim. Ouch. Guess how much we were paying for that gap insurance over our auto insurance policy? Something like $3.80 a year. A year. The car was less than a year old, and for less than four bucks, our insurance covered the entire debt. That, ladies and gentlemen, is worth a few minutes of evaluation and a simple phone call. Just give everything a once-over and make sure everything's kosher. So once you're satisfied, make make digital and hard copies of everything. Store your hard copies in your emergency binder and securely store your digital backup using encryption and password. All right. Great article, Brian. A lot of good stuff over here. Um, Guys, there's a few uh, comments that you can come and interact with and uh, drop Brian a uh, a message as you you come over here and, and check it out. I want to talk a little bit about um, as we just as uh, just follow up here and give a little bit of commentary. There's two words that I think are imp- in, important to remember in preparedness planning, and the two words are going to be this: it's going to be possible versus probable. And let me give you a definition and then talk a little bit about this. So the word possible means this. This is the definition from MarianWebster.com. Being within the limits of ability, capacity, or realization, being something that may or may not occur. 
So then that's possible. The word probable means this, supported by evidence, strong enough to establish presumption, but not proof, likely to be or become true or real. So when we talk a lot about preparedness, or when we're talking about preparedness planning, we need to make sure that we are preparing for those things that are probable and not those things, or at least not focus on those things that are possible. So let me break this down just a little bit. Um, I think Brian did a, a great job of looking into this. And so let me just kind of expand on it. So I live on the Gulf Coast. You've heard me talk many, many times about hurricanes and, and Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Ike and, and Katrina and Rita and all those different hurricanes that, uh, that we've dealt with. So one of the things that, uh, as, as I'm recording this right now, it is hurricane season. Uh, we haven't had too many disturbances in the Gulf. I mean, there was, I think, two. One went up to Louisiana, and then the other one uh, recently it kind of entered the Gulf, went up to Florida, uh, crossed over Florida, and then was on the East Coast and kind of went out back out into the ocean. So being down here on the Gulf Coast, living in Houston, Texas, um, you know, being, you know, hurricane season, what is probable for me would be a hurricane. I mean, that is probable. That is supported by evidence. I have experienced hurricanes before. We have experienced hurricanes before. It is hurricane season. There's enough presumption there. Um, it is likely to be true or real. There is going to, more than likely, we will, you know, experience at some point this hurricane season, some tr a tropical storm or a hurricane, something along those lines. We've experienced that before. What might not be possible, though, you know, uh, or what might be possible might be something like, let me um, just kind of throw it out there, like a polar shift, right? So a polar shift where, you know, and I think about doomsday preppers and there's people like, I'm preparing for a polar shift. So that is possible. It is within the limits of ability. In fact, if you listen to Ben over at Suspicious Observers, that is the the catastrophe cycle at some point that, you know, should happen. And he's been talking about that more and more that we're overdue. And, uh, you know, you can go check that out. I did an, uh, an interview with Ben not too long ago. It was a great interview, kind of scary if you were into that, but some of those things were possible. They're within the limits of ability and capacity. You know, the earth and the earth magnetism, there is that possibility or the capacity for that quick polar shift, but it may be something that may or may not occur, at least in our lifetime. Now, being a believer, I don't necessarily believe that we would see a polar shift. And the reason I say that is because the upper crust, uh, when you when you go look at Ben's videos, uh, the upper crust would shift and uh, there'd be a lot of devastation. Very few places on the earth would survive. I mean, uh, according to what they believe in the theories, there are places on earth that would survive, but very few places would survive. Being a believer, I don't think that that's the way everything goes down. I, I look at the Bible and I look at, I, I trust what the Bible says, and I believe that the Lord would have uh, a different plan in store. So I'm not worried so much about a polar shift, but it is possible, right? If the if if that was if the the Earth was left on its own with the the sun and the magnetism and all that stuff that goes into it, that is possible. 
So we can look, continue looking at things that are probable. Those of you that look that live up north, one of the things that is probable is that you would encounter a blizzard. That's not probable for me. I mean, <laughs> going going back to uh, February 2021, um, you know, we didn't have a blizzard, but we encountered a week's worth of below freezing temperatures that kind of jacked up everybody. And so uh, I guess that is... Uh, you know, probably see, up until that time. So I guess I'm catching myself here, right? Up until February 2021, I would have said, you know, uh, something like that is is possible at least down here, all the way in Houston. I know that uh, you know northern Texas uh, gets gets some of it sometimes, but as far as a blizzard, I don't think we're ever going to experience a blizzard where we have feet and feet and feet we're covered under feet of snow, right? And so that is possible. It is within the realm of ability, I guess. There is capacity for it, especially coming off of February 2021. But it is not probable. It's more probable for those of you that live up north. And so then when you are looking at your preparedness plans, you are paying attention to that. The thing is, is that there are some things, and and Brian talked a little bit about this, that there are some things that are generic for everybody's emergency plan. Everybody should be making sure that they have a good shelter. What you know, and mostly that's our homes and we need to make sure that they're safe and make sure that they're protected and make sure that, you know, you do the maintenance that you need to do on there and, and all those different kinds of things, right? So not just the security aspect of it, but making sure I mean he talked about wiring. Um, you know, I'll I'll mention the things like plumbing and and different things like that, right? Patching the roof. And making sure you have no leaks and, and all those different kinds of things. So you have your shelter. You have food. Everybody is going to need food in your preparedness planning. That needs to be part of it. Everybody's going to need water. Everyone's going to need first aid at some point. And everybody might need defense at some point. And different people will look at that differently. Some people will feel like, hey, I, I don't want to have a gun. I don't want to have firearms. But I'm going to try to defend myself as much as possible by keeping my home uh, as safe and, and putting different layers inside of my home. Other people will say part of my defense is going to be, yeah, I'm going to arm up. And I'm going to have firearms to protect me and my family. And so there are some things that are generic to every single preparedness plan, every single emergency that needs to be in place. But then you need to make sure you you work on it a little bit more to really tighten down on what you need. Again, you don't want to do what so many people have done. And, and I will say that I did this as well. Just going to the grocery store or going to the store. And I remember those beginning, you know, when I was first getting into it, I was doing a lot of reading. This was before proper website. And I'd go to the grocery store and I'd be like, okay, what do I need to survive, you know, the end of the world? And and I was there for groceries and, and, and things that I needed to get. But th- that was always in the back of my mind. If I would have had a plan in place, I would have been able to go ahead and put these things in. And that's why I guess I'm so, such a big proponent of planning and making sure you you work through this a little bit. Like I said before, it's not rocket science, but it does take a little bit of time. It t- takes a little bit of time just to kind of sit down and think through these things. And, you know, if you have a spouse that is willing to work through these things with you, even better, you know, because they would be able to see things maybe from a whole different uh, point of view. So I want to talk a little bit about a strategy for getting prepared once you have your plan in place and and you start moving forward and you you realize what you need to do 
because it can be very overwhelming when you realize, okay, I need to have this plan in place. And it, it can be so overwhelming that, um, you know, Brian said analysis paralysis is kind of like, oh my gosh, I don't know my first step. I don't know what I need to do. Well, I've already said that, you know, the, everything, there's a lot of things that are very uh, generic, right? Your shelter, food, water, uh, you know, um, first aid or emergency, you know, first aid supplies, uh, you know, defense, and, and maybe even some power and, and, and things like that along those lines that you can you can look at. But it would be very overwhelming if you take your plan and you try to do it all in one time. And what I would say is use a strategy of chunking it. So that way it's not overwhelming. And so let me walk through this, kind of like what Brian did in his article as far as kind of walking you through that threat assessment. Let me walk you through chunking it and uh, this strategy of what it might be. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use water storage. All right. So there's this great strategy of uh, being able to look at your situation, look at what you want that situation to look like after you've completed it, and then looking at the steps in between and, and figuring out what it takes to get to that. So the first step would be to what does my current situation look like? So here I am, uh, I'm, I'm looking at water. I'm just going to chunk water. That's it, right? So my current situation looks like I can get water out of my faucets, but I don't have water stored whatsoever. So I can get water out of my faucet. I can flush my toilets. I can take a shower, you know, for hygiene purposes. I can do all those different things, but I don't have stored water. All right. So what will the situation look like after I'm prepared? So I've done that first step. What does my current situation look like now? Now I'm going to go to what will the situation look like after I'm prepared? Well, I will have enough water. And this is, this is my statement. I will have enough water stored for every member of my family for two weeks. So my current situation is I can get water out of my faucet. My, what I want to be, where I want to be, what my situation is going to be afterwards, after I am prepared, is I want to have enough water stored for every member for two weeks. All right. And so that is it's just a two-week plan or a, a two-week uh, storage of water. Now, so here are the steps I'm going to take. I know where I am. I know where I want to go. What are the steps that I need to take? The first step that I'm going to do is I'm going to calculate how much water I need. Well, I know because I've listened to the Prepper website podcast. I've listened to Todd's Emergency Prep 101 webinar, and I've read you know, a bunch of articles. I know that I need a minimum of one gallon for every member of my, of my house for every day. So that would be, I do a quick calculation, one gallon times four members times 14 days, that equals to 56 gallons of water, right? So I know that I need 56 gallons of water to be prepared with water storage for two weeks. The next step that I'm going to take is I'm going to make room in the spare bedroom to store water. That's what I want to do. Different people have different ways of doing things. Maybe your idea is that you are going to uh, put some rain barrels in and, and you know have a first flush and have a filter and all those different kinds of things. We've talked about that on the exclusive email group here recently. But for this purpose here, this person that is walking through this water storage plan wants to store water in a spare bedroom. 
right? So the first thing that they're going to do, the, the next thing that they're going to do is they're going to purchase 10 cases of bottled water. So one case of bottled water will give you about three gallons. Now that's, that's not even enough for your whole family for one day, right? So, but at least you have 30 gallons. That's an easy entry. I used to not be for this, but now I'm like, you know, that is an easy entry for a lot of people. And, you know, of course, when you're looking at four people, it, it doesn't seem like a lot of water, but it's easy entry where you can go and you can buy three cases of water. You know, I've done that before, not even for preparedness purposes, but just so that we could have water. You, know, you buy three cases of water. They're not very expensive at all, especially if you get them on sale. And if you're putting them in a spare bedroom and you're putting them up against a wall or something like that, they're in, a, in you know uh, an environment where it's not going to be too hot and not going to be too cold. Of course, you don't want to put this out in the shed. You don't want to put this out in your garage. You know, you have a, a controlled environment. So I'm going to go purchase 10 cases of bottled water. That's going to give me 30 gallons of water. Well, I'm still short. 24 or 26 gallons of water because I need a minimum of 56 gallons of water. So what do I do? What's my next step? I could go get uh, eight more cases of, of bottled water if I wanted to do that, but I'm thinking that's going to be a lot, right? I'm stacking a lot of water, uh, you know, in my, in my spare bedroom. And then, you know, maybe I'm rotating that out or whatever, but that's still a lot, 18 cases. So let me go with something else. I might go ahead and buy some water bricks, and so I'm going to purchase eight water bricks. A water brick uh, can hold 3.5 gallons. And so I buy eight uh, water bricks. That gives me 28 gallons of water if I fill them up all the way, which gives me a total of 58 gallons. So now I have my two weeks of water storage for my family. And it didn't take a lot, right? It took a little bit of money. The water bricks are going to cost a little bit of money. It's going to take a little bit of effort, you know, a little bit of muscle, muscling in, you know, a couple of cases of water every every time you go to the grocery store so that you can go ahead and, and put this in your spare bedroom. And so it's going to take a little bit of that, a little bit of planning. But I walked through this very, very quickly and I did a lot of talking. So you could really do this in about five minutes after you, you, really, you know, get the hang of it of what's going on. You can do the same thing with food. You can do the same thing with you know, your, your power situation. You can do the same thing with first aid and kind of walk through what you need so that you have specific steps that you need to take to make sure you're prepared. So you're not out there winging it. That's, you do not want to wing it. And so, like I said, it just takes a little bit of time to plan. If you have a spouse that's willing to do it with you, that's even better. Y'all can sit down together. You can, you can plan things out. Um, but it takes a little bit of time, but you're not out there trying to, 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 to do it all, you know, in your head and acquiring things that you don't need, acquiring gear that you don't need. And then you're not truly prepared for the situation that you are uh, wanting to be prepared for. So that's my little two cents, right? That's my little two cents there as far as looking at your preparedness planning and doing it in a way that uh, doesn't, doesn't uh, overwhelm you. So just a quick article recap as far as what Brian was saying. He, he's talked about a threat assessment. Do a threat assessment for your area, not for the fictional novel that you read, not for, you know, uh, 
you know, whatever you, you hear on a video or see on a video or read in an article, do a threat assessment for your area, you know, and if you are new to your area, talk to people about, hey, what kinds of things have happened, you know, in, in the area. Uh, my area, things have changed a little bit. So, you know, we have experienced two big major floods in the last, I think it's like seven years. And so that's a, that's one of those things that would have changed. So, you know, if I would have asked my neighbors when I first moved into my neighborhood, does it ever flood? They would have told me, no, it's never, ever flooded. And here in the last seven years, we have had two major floods where um, people in the neighborhood, I mean, a good portion of the neighborhood, you know, had to rip out sheetrock and floors and all those different kinds of things. And uh, we were just lucky. We were on, I guess, on the higher side of the neighborhood and we didn't experience all that. So you have your threat assessment. Make sure it's your threat assessment for your area, you know, uh, specifically for you. Then you have your personal situation evaluation because everyone's going to be a little bit different. He talked a little bit about someone who has an oxygen machine, but maybe, you know, you have somebody who's a diabetic in your home. And so you are planning ahead. You know, you're looking into that. That is going to be a personal situation that not everybody is going to experience. Then you're prioritizing the risks. You're, you're looking at all of those. You know, when people start talking about, I'm, I'm preparing for an EMP and that will cover me for everything. Well, an EMP, man, if an EMP truly went down and it went down the way that a lot of people say it would go down, it, it's going to be catastrophic all the way around and it's going to be, you know, walking dead, whatever, all that kind of junk. What, I just, I don't agree with planning there, starting there. If you start your planning processes and you're walking through and you're prioritizing what are the more probable things that could happen and then you continue to prep and you work your way all the way up to an EMP, then fine. Uh, but I think that starting out there is just it's so overwhelming. It's so big. Uh, I don't think, you know, you, you should not be trying to put something on your vehicle that would save it from a solar flare or an EMP when you don't have food and water and, you know, some, a way to protect yourself and first aid supplies, you know, that's just the priority priorities are all jacked up there. So threat assessment, personal situation evaluation, you prioritize your risk, realize that you can't prep for everything, right? That for, for those that are believers, you, you do everything that you can, and then you trust in the Lord. For those of you that are not, you just realize that you can't prep for everything. There's just, it's not possible to, to have every single situation nailed down. And then prepping is not about fear. It is about confidence. And this is, this is my thing. It's not about fear. It's about confidence to face the next emergency. If we have a hurricane right now, I don't, I, I know that I don't have to rush out to the store and fight everybody that's there. If we have another pandemic, I don't have to, or, you know, whatever, things locked down again, shortages and whatever. I, I'm not worried that I'm not going to be able to feed my family, you know? And so you you have that confidence that you're going to be able to face the next emergency and you're able to do that well because you've taken the time to prepare and you've taken the time to look at everything and look at what's probable and go from there. So great article, Brian. Thanks so much for sharing that with us. And guys, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes. And so you can go over there and check out Brian's website, uh, his article, and then all the other good things that he's doing. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 702. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. 
make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head on over to PrepperWebsite.com where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the very best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 hand-picked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.